the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's not time for Rodney here on the Dave Ellswick Show, all right? We're, he's going to join me today. Rodney Leatherman is here. Uh, you hear him on Saturdays from uh, 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock on Faith Talk 99.5. And uh, how to drop your energy bills, all right? This is the guy that you turn to when you want to make sure you use energy correctly. Rodney, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Dave. Thank you for having with me. And being here on your show is an awesome opportunity for me. And uh, the great Dave Elzik, what can you say? I mean, incredible. That's that's. Yeah, I, I want to talk about you, and I want to talk about the Green New Deal because we've heard, we keep hearing so much about it in Washington, and I'm I'm figuring that you do so much uh, here uh, dealing with energy, dealing mm-hmm. with electricity, dealing mm-hmm. with heat pumps, all of that stuff that mm-hmm. you, and solar and that you can talk about this and uh, tell us who's giving us the truth and who's you know, BSing us. And I particularly think that the left is BSing about how great this Green New Deal is. I mean, they, it's my idea, Rodney, and I'm, I think it's yours as well, that the last thing you do is get rid of fossil fuels without having the necessary um, uh, foundation to take its place with other forms of energy. I don't deny that there's other forms of energy as far as solar, as far as wind, uh, as far as if they wanted to use it, but they don't, nuclear, uh, as far as, uh, you know, hydroelectric. There's all of those types of energy, but are they enough to give us the necessary power that we need to live the lives that we live in our country, or are we supposed to regress to you know close to a third world status uh to quote in my opinion uh have this imaginary thing that we're doing of destroying the the planet and quote we've got to save mother earth i mean look i've been hearing this since jim morrison and the doors okay (laughs) yeah i mean he's been out there what have they done to our fair planet what have they done to our sister i mean we've heard this for a long time and it hasn't changed. Well, the thing is that, and I don't get political because, frankly, I, I don't think that's a um, – I think if we stick to the true definition of words and we go back and we realize what we're dealing with here, we get back to common sense. And politics many times takes away the common sense and creates a narrative. And we don't want to discuss narrative. We want to discuss facts. Okay. So when we talk about renewable, sustainable, let's define some things accurately. Okay. All right. I'm all, I'm all in. Bring it on. All right. <laughs> renewable, 
when we when we hear the term renewable, the sun is a renewable form or source of energy. Without the sun, the planet has no life that we can relate to it. There would be life, but not like we know it. The sun gives us basically everything. This is why through ancient cultures, most of those always, and and today we say they worshiped the sun. They didn't per se worship the sun and but they did understand that without the sun, you don't have life as we know it. So yeah, you don't that have was squat, a, basically. <laughs> yeah, that was a given. Now, here's a fact that we can measure. The sun gives us about 420 quadrillion units of energy per hour to the planet. Okay. 420 quadrillion units of energy per hour. Now, when you hear the term renewable, in fact, the true definition would be, yes, the sun is a renewable form, resource of energy. And we could also jump over to natural gas being a renewable resource, a renewable form of energy, because the earth produces gas, it produces oil as a result of how the earth is made. Okay, so those are renewable resources. Now, some would argue that oil and gas, natural gas, are not, but in fact, the earth makes that on a constant basis. It's not a limited or finite amount of energy that is produced one time. And but So let's establish that, and some may argue that, and that's fine, but we have uh, a lot of evidence that show and we're using those things. But let's go back to the sun. Let's talk what we call renewable. Well, if you have a solar panel, and I got in the solar business in 1981. I've been around it for a while. You know, that's, tw- that's 40 years ago, Dave. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's just, it just seems like yesterday. Yeah, Oh, it, it, it's amazing how quickly time ticks away. But when we talk renewable, most people today define that as being something related to solar or wind because the wind is a consequence of the sun. I mean, the actual fact is the sun radiates onto the planet. We have these rising temperatures which create wind currents, etc. So that's how we have wind as a result of the sun as well. We have geothermal, which uh, in the heat pump world, Ground source heat pump would be a sun-related renewable source of energy because eight feet down, you get a constant temperature. That's about 55 degrees on average. So you tap into that. That's a renewable resource. Okay, can I stop you right there just for a second? If if mm -hmm. anybody watches, uh, you know, HGTV or DYI or anything, there's a great show that's called Building Off the Grid. Mm -hmm. I love love watching that show. And Mm -hmm. I learned... I, I knew a little bit about this whole thing about laying pipe eight foot down and that mm-hmm. you could warm your home during the winter, you could cool it during the summer right. by using that ground temperature. I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that that's, looks like a future way of taking care of things uh, in the housing market. I would, that might be something that really catches on. But that seems to be something for the future as well, because I think everybody is interested in saving money. Uh, if I didn't oh, yeah. have to, if I didn't have to pay uh, 
you know, my local electric company money every month to keep the lights on, I'd really like that, or to keep my house cool or warm. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea that, uh, and again, we've kind of made the electric company the the bad guy. The fact is the electric company provides an incredible service for the amount of money we pay. If you think about no, it, they're a good guy. <laughs> they, they really are. And uh, and so what you do, let's finish renewable for a second. Okay. In most people's minds, they think solar and wind are, quote, renewables. And it's been redefined that way as it's a renewable resource. Well, now let's get technical. The sun is a renewable resource, but a solar panel, a wind turbine are not renewable resources. They are products that have to be manufactured. They have a limited life of production and efficiencies. They do degradate from day one. Again, I'm not opposed to them. What I'm really wanting people to do is think about how we get to where we want to go, and that brings me to sustainable. Now, this is a word that's bantered around quite a bit in this same kind of discussion, right? we got sustainable and we got renewable. It's used all the time in conjunction, isn't it? So let me read you something here from this is good old Merriam-Webster. Maybe not the most authoritative, but most people have heard of that dictionary. Uh, the word sustainable is an adjective. And it's capable of being sustained. That's the definition. Okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, the the second meaning of it is relating to or being a method of harvesting or using a resource that the resource is not dependent or permanently damaged. Now, if you're able to sustain something, we could talk about in history, and I always love to go back in history because it kind of gives us a basis. You know, I'll, let's talk about something from history called the wheel. Now, we know 8,000 years ago, the Sumerians had the wheel. Of course, going forward, the Greeks had the wheel, the Romans had the wheel, and we have the wheel. Has the wheel really changed with all our great technology? Nope. Still round. With all the great (laughs) computer power, with all these smart people and these phones, has the wheel changed? No, it's still round. Still a wheel, isn't it? They've they've taken the basics and they've they've made it better, but the concept has always been the same. It's not like the guy that's got the chariot in the commercial and he's got you know (laughs) uh, he's got wheels that look like triangles. Uh, that would be a rough ride. It is a round circle, okay? Yeah, and out of that we got gears and we got pulleys and we yeah. got all kinds of things, but there's still wheels. And the the foundational point is that that's a sustainable product because it's not varying or changing. The sun is sustainable. It doesn't change. Ground source temperatures don't change. Those are sustainable. Now, here's the thing that most people don't get, is that if you make the envelope that place that you want to be comfortable in, and this is the big thing. 150 years ago, we didn't have electricity. We certainly didn't have heating and cooling uh, as we know it today. If you wanted heat, you built a fire. That was heat. Hmm. Uh, If you wanted hot water, you put the stuff over uh, a fire uh, in a pot or some form so you could heat it and then use it. That was how you heated hot water. People don't want to do that anymore, Dave. They they don't want to be inconvenienced. 
So they want convenience and they want the benefit. So how do you do that? The common sense approach to sustainability, first and foremost, because we have the technology. I teach this every week. You can go to the show archives and hear it. The thing is, sustainability comes from the envelope of the structure you want to maintain your lifestyle in. You can take steps, and we can prove this, very simple, easy to do. Anybody out there can take what they have now, and they can drop their energy bill by 50 to 70% and make what we call sustainable static improvements that will always be there. These aren't things that vary and change. Solar doesn't work good at night. Turbines don't work good if the wind's not blowing. But I'll promise you that if you'll make that envelope in your home officer building sustainable in terms of tightening it, using the right kind of glass technology, the right kind of insulation technology, the right kind of heating cooling equipment, you can then have a sustainable space. And that is the thing that people miss about the discussion. You see, technology, and I'm going to read some things here as we move on during the show that really I hope will make people think. But what is technology? And that's what we're told. The computer is, oh, it's great technology. The computer is going to change the world. Well, the people selling the computers were the ones that came up with the pitch, right? The computer, the the computer. Well, what's a computer? It's just a file cabinet. It's a cabinet. It's miniature relative to what you and I grew up with. We had a paper. We put it in a folder. We put it in a file cabinet, right? Today... We store it on a computer. What's the difference? Well, people selling the computers, oh, it's a nice way to condense things. Okay, I'll it's, give you that. You can a, carry a lot of files. It's a convenience. Exactly. It's a convenience. But if you really get down to it, and we're going to talk Saturday on the show about this particular thing, my co-host Lauren and I are going to cover how much energy is consumed by the computer world. All right. With now, that thought, no, wait, let me stop you because i got to get mm-hmm. a break in. Yep. And we got to pay for the show. You know, you know all about that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to take a break right now. When we come back, Rodney, you continue with us. We're going to get this specifically into the Green New Deal because definitions are important. You need oh, to everything. know what you're talking about because a lot of things that are promoted in the Green New Deal, I don't believe are as attainable as they say they are. It's 20 minutes after 6. Stay with us. We're going to talk a lot more here with Rodney on the Dave Ellswick Show. 23 minutes after 6. If you just joined me, we got a special guest with us today. Uh, the man who knows more about energy than a lot of people do has been dealing with energy for many, many years. He was just talking about that over 40 years Rodney Leatherman is with us. He's the host of Drop Your Energy Bills that you hear over on Faith Talk 99.5 on Saturdays from 9 to 10. I like having him on from time to time when you want to talk about, you know, what's true and what's false and being, you know, perpetuated out in the media about this whole Green New Deal stuff. I mean, uh, you listen to some people talk and you think that petroleum is uh, the devil's tool and I'm just telling, and coal and some other things, you know, carbon-based uh, energy pro- products. And here's the key. You like to get up in the middle of the night when it's a little bit chilly in your house and turn your thermostat from 68 up to 71, take the chill off, 
Well, then thank oil, natural gas, and coal. I'm just telling you, thank them, because without it, I don't think we'd be able to do it because solar wouldn't be doing it, and we don't have a way of you know, storing solar thus far in the capacity that we need to. Uh, maybe the wind's not blowing and the windmills can't, uh, you know, create enough uh, energy. It's just, uh, you know, people need to sit down, Rodney, and think about what's being said here and logically construct what's out there to be used. Well, absolutely. And the key to it is simply this. Everything you just mentioned is a consumption based challenge and in this whole narrative there is never any discussion about well how much are we consuming we have all these mandates being proposed right up there in uh, beautiful Fayetteville Arkansas you've got a group that has said by 2050 the whole area is going to be Net zero. Well, I got the federal grant for net zero research at Oak Ridge back in 2002. I was involved with that personally and directly. And I can tell you, we did all kinds of great things over there. But when we talk about consumption, it's not in the mix. Consumption is not in the mix. If you're going to be addressing this in a logical, rational, reasonable way, that uses common sense. You don't have to be an academic. You don't need a to be a Phi Beta Kappa from MIT to understand this, that it's the amount that you're using that dictates how much you need. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why the electric car uh, argument is going to get rid of all of the, you know, uh, greenhouse gases doesn't cook with me because – Let's say everybody drives an electric car. Well, everybody's got to charge their car. Where do you get the electricity? How do you how do you produce that electricity to be able to charge all those cars and make them run? You got to have some place that's making the necessary energy for those cars, and at, that's going to make greenhouse gases as well. There's no way to get around it. Well, let's go back a couple steps, Dave, on that front. First, you have to make the car. Yes. And to make the car, you have to have a factory to make the car in. And that means you need a building to put the factory in. That means you have to have the things that require manufacturing. Now, I can tell you over at the website, we've got an interesting story, that a 1967 Chevelle weighed 500 pounds less than a 2017 electric hybrid car. Yeah, those batteries are heavy, aren't they? Now, what's in the electric car? What's in all cars today? You get in, you sit down on a seat, you look at your dashboard, you look at the instrumentation. How much of that's plastic? Uh huh. Where does the plastic come from? How do you make plastic? Oil. Thank you. And then <laughs> you have tires that those wheel things again. What yeah. are they made of? Oil. Even on an electric car. Yeah, made of oil. Mm -hmm. Now, how do they get transported to the tire store so you can go get them installed on a truck? And what does the truck use? Well, okay, we're going to make electric trucks, all right? What do you make the electric truck from? So the point is that this silly cycle that some people think can just snap from out of the 
heavens and just instantly change to this great utopian dream is not commonsensical. It's not it's there. Not no, it's just not. It's a fantasy. Now, here's the thing. I want to I want to get people to realize something back to the computer and what we call technology. If you define technology, it is nothing but knowledge. And if you define knowledge, it is nothing but information. So we take information. We derive knowledge from knowledge. We derive technology. Was the will a technology? Well, it's a tremendous technology. In fact, I argue it's probably one of the most technological advances that we've ever had. I agree is the with wheel. you. Yeah. Without the wheel, I mean, come on. Now, when we take that understanding and we start looking at technology, the computer, for example, the computer and all of its derivatives use incredible, vast amounts of energy, but you'll never hear this talked about. The computer, the smartphone, the chargers, that's just, you know how much that is. You plug that in and we talk about that, but that's not the real energy use. Okay, now I got to stop you. I got to stop you. I'm sorry about that, but we've got news coming up and people want to know what's happening in the world as they get up in the morning and having their cup of coffee they want to they want to make sure the sun's getting ready to come up and that it's going to come up so (laughs) you stay with me rodney we'll be back we'll talk further about this uh rodney leatherman with us drop your energy bills is his show it's on uh, faith talk 99.5 saturdays from nine o'clock until 10 o'clock all right 25 minutes uh till seven o'clock here on the dave ellswick show 1011 fm the answer we'll get back to rodney here in just a moment don't forget about your retirement if if you're past 45 50 years old you should be planning for your future you know what they call the golden years well the golden years can be uh not so gold it can be fool's gold if you don't play you know plan for it and that means knowing the answers to some critical uh, topics that if you don't have the right answers to could take your whole retirement and get it off the tracks and uh, you know you you outlive your money and that's not a good thing you always want to make sure that your money outlives you that is the number one goal of uh, retirement david lucas has a brochure that he's put together to help you think of all the different, uh, you know, subjects and questions you need to answer. I mean, that's one of the biggest uh, problems. Rodney is kind of talking about that a little bit right now, and that is, you know, putting together all of the information you need to know and have the correct answer to to those questions from that information so you can move forward. That's what it's all about as far as retirement. David Lucas can help you with that and his team over at David Lucas Financial. He's got a brochure. It's called the Ultimate Retirement Planning Checklist. You need to get a copy of it. Be one of the first 10 callers this morning, 501-222-3315. You call now. There's nobody in the office. They'll uh, record your call, and they'll be right back in touch with you when they come into the office to get you one of these, and they'll send it to you at your home. Or you can go to their website, davidlucasfinancial.com, get all the information there, and uh, get one of these as well. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. All right, let's move on now in our conversation with Rodney. We're talking about the Green New Deal. Uh, You know, they've got a narrative going that, 
we got to be uh, can't be carbon based, uh, and uh, we got to get rid of all the greenhouse gases by I think twenty twenty five, and we got to have all electric cars, and that if we do, uh, suddenly it's going to be Shangri La on Earth, and folks, that's not true. So Rodney, let's get you back on here with me on the Dave Ellswick show. And bottom line is, there's there's got to be, as you've been saying, you got to use a little common sense. But let's not forget, it, it was a lot of years ago, but not that long ago, that uh, you know Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain said, "Common sense ain't very common," and uh, and we're in that era right now. Well, and Mark also said that it's a lot easier to fool somebody than it is to convince them that they've been fooled. Nah, that's good. I like that. I like that as well. Um, let's jump into a couple things really quick. I'm going to run through some questions. Any of the listeners can always hit us up over info at Drop Your Energy Bill. We're happy to work with people. When you talk about part of a retirement plan, by the way, Mr. Lucas, I'm sure does a phenomenal job. And anyone out there that's thinking of a retirement looking forward, gosh, if you don't plan energy consumption into your retirement, then, hey, why not? Yeah. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you a few questions. I'm going to go through them quickly, but I want you to listen, and then we're going to jump back to some definitions because I think this is important to understand. Okay? Here's the questions. There's seven of them. What's the problem to which a technology claims to be the solution what is the problem because that. it's going to make its own problems <laughs> now question two whose problem is it <laughs> mm. good question number three number three what new problems are going to be created by solving the old one yeah number four which people and institutions will be most affected? Yeah, who's number who's, five? In other words, here's the question. Let's put it in in uh, today's speak. Whose bull is going to get gored? Because <laughs> somebody five. is. Go ahead. This is a big one. Number five. What changes in languages are being promoted? What changes in languages are being promoted? In other words, what new definitions have been created? Now, I'm going to jump into some of that after we do a couple more here. Number six, what shifts in the economic and political power are likely to result? And number seven, what alternative media may be created as a result? Okay. Those are some great questions. So which ones are you going to give us answers to? Well, we can answer all of them. But here's the thing. Let's jump back to number five. What changes in languages are being promoted? Now, we've talked about some definitions. Now, you can go get on the Internet of a resource. And by the way, let me first complete my position on technology, the computer, the Internet, the okay. People do not understand the vast amount of 
energy consumed by the internet, the cloud, the servers. I mean, it's in, just because you got a computer on your desk or a laptop you carry around or a smartphone, you don't understand that every app that you run on your phone has a server somewhere. And that server requires tremendous amounts of energy. And then you add all those apps together and all those accessories that are reaching the app, and then you start combining that. So Saturday, I'm diving into the amount of energy consumed. A cell tower, for example, look at the bottom of it. There's a little motel hotel room down there. It has to be <laughs> heated and cooled because inside it's the components necessary to make that tower operate. That's right. Uses energy. So the technology itself of this whole idea is never talked about. But the computer, the phone, the cell tower, all the infrastructure, the servers, the cloud, all those things are using a vast amount of energy. Now, if you go to the Internet and start looking up the word sustainability or sustainable, and you go to university websites, and I'm not going to pick on one in particular, but I just did pull up Penn State's, and it said the term sustainability is a multi disciplinary use and meaning. Well, hold on. What changes in language are being promoted? Now, I read you the definition, according to Webster's, of sustainability. In order to change a narrative, you have to redefine the meaning of words. We can say green, for example. Now, Dave, you and I grew up, and when we were in school... The little teacher would hold up a card, and it had a color on it, and she told us that this is green. Right. Okay? That's the definition of green. It's a color. So all of a sudden, can we look at a tree and say it has green leaves? Yeah. So how did we go from a color to all of a sudden having a word that means a color, part of a narrative related to something question that needs to be asked, a question that needs to be answered. What changes in language are being promoted? Yeah, it's called semantics. Sustainability, renewable, green semantics. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. So what alternative medias have been created as a result of this? Well, we got an app for that. Hello? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What shifts in economic and political power are likely to result from this change, i.e. the technology? So over time, over my career, over your career, we've seen this incremental slow boil, if you will, of this dynamic moving forward. Now, in 74, when I got in the I was 16 years old putting insulation in houses, I noticed there was a difference. The type of insulation you use made a difference in how much energy was consumed in the house, i.e. heating and cooling, because some insulations work better than others. That's right. Why not use the one that works the best? They're all insulation. But what is the problem to which technology claims to be the solution? Well, we're being told we need this technology, like we're told so often, we need this and we need that. Well, who who's selling that? See, back in the day, it goes back to a guy one time that was selling malts at the drugstore. People don't remember this, but uh, drugstores used to sell malts, and we most people today call them milkshakes. Of course, the drugstore don't sell milkshakes anymore. 
But in the beginning, they sold malts. And so a guy that was selling eggs, Dave, came around and said, uh, I'm selling eggs. And the guy said, well, we don't put eggs in our malts. He said, oh, well, let me tell you why you need to. Mm-hmm. He said, why? He said, well, because if you ask the people if they want an egg, then they'll buy it and you can make more money. So he went a little further with it. He said, now, here's how you do it. You say to your customer, do you want one egg or two? And the customer says, they had never even thought because eggs weren't in malts before this guy came along, right? Right. And he says, instead of saying, do you want an egg? He says, do you want one egg or two? And the folks don't say, well, I don't want any eggs, (laughs) even though there were no eggs in the malts before. Right. They say, well, uh, two, I guess. Okay. So the guy selling the malt made a lot of money selling eggs. The guy selling the eggs made a lot of money selling the eggs. The customer really didn't know any different. Guess what? All the malts ended up having eggs in them. So definitions of words. When you look at the definition, and I'll I'll go pick on uh, UCLA here now on their website. Sustainability is a complex concept. Yeah, concept. it's complex, Dave. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, complex. And it's a, con- a concept, which means it's <laughs> it's open to being changed at all times. Yep. Here's the next line: the most often quoted definition. Listen to that. The most often quoted definition. <laughs> comes from the U.N. World Commission on Environment and Development. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Sustainable development is development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. You want one egg or two, Dave? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm agreeing exactly with what you're saying, Rodney, and it's something – People are saying, Dave, I thought you were going to talk about the Green New Deal. We are talking about the Green New Deal mm-hmm. because you're, all the things that Rodney's speaking of right now, the, the changing of terminologies, the changing of words and all the rest is all part of the Green New Deal. They, they define and redefine. They take a group of people who say, see, we're the, we're the experts and here's the truth, when in fact it might not be the truth at all. It's just well, it's just what they think. Well, where's the the platform that they're given? In other words, what alternative medias are being created? And what new problems are being created by quote solving the old one? Mm-hmm. Which people and institutions will be most harmed as a result? I mean, uh, it it is impossible to make a smartphone or a computer today, basically, without silver. Where does silver come from? A few mines. Yeah, you have to mine it. And how do you dig that hole to go down in the earth and get the silver? Better have a nice excavator, a bunch of drills, a bunch of... How do they work? Well, they're made out of steel and iron and all kinds of... Well, how do you make that? And how do you get it to the mine site? Yeah, now wait a second. Now, what you're telling me is that you mean there's not just big batteries that you can't just connect to those things and make them work? (laughs) Well, well, we're going to use a 3D printer for that. Okay. All right. Well, you hold on because i got to get a break. (laughs) 
I'll have you on again here in a couple of weeks, and we'll continue this conversation. I'm going to keep you to the top of the hour, but there's a, we're only scratching the surface here, Rodney. You realize that. I realize that because we've been talking about this so long. But yep. there's there's a lot of young people that are hearing us talk yep. that you've got to understand that all of this just doesn't happen by, you know, Elizabeth, whatever her name was, from Bewitched, you know, <laughs> twitching her nose. It doesn't happen that way. Or Harry Potter waving a wand or however you want to say it. There's there's real decisions that are being made out there that are having real impacts the decisions that are being made right now about cutting off fracking on federal lands and things of that nature are going to cost millions of jobs, millions of jobs. I mean, the, the Keystone Pipeline, 16,000. We can go on and on about it, not to mention the geopolitical problem of what it did and how it ticked off Canada. We'll talk further about that in, in just a moment. I want to talk about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry because we're not that far. Uh, from Valentine's Day, and guys, like I've been trying to tell you, don't screw it up again. If you did, if you bought her a bowling ball and telling her that you're going to take her bowling on Christmas Eve, or you bought her the <laughs> you bought her the brand the brand spanking new uh, vacuum cleaner, and you say, "See, I made your life easier, dude." It was still a vacuum cleaner. Okay, that's not what she was really looking for, and she's not looking for anything like that uh, right now. Uh, coming up on Valentine's Day. I'll tell you, Valentine's Day, something that would make her life easier or something that glitters and has bling to it will really make her life uh, for herself be be uh, important and tell her that she's important to you. So use Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. They're right here in Little Rock. You can go and visit them. Uh, they're at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard in Little Rock. Their phone number is 501-246-3655. And if you'll just give a call over there to Eric Coleman, uh, he'll tell you what he's got available. And uh, he'll and you ask him about a colored gemstone or a, a gem or a diamond or whatever, he's got it. I'm telling you right now, he's got it. And if he doesn't have it right now, he can have it post-taste because the man is connected. And he knows where to go to get this kind of stuff. So you give him a call, uh, 501-246-3655, or visit him uh, after 10 o'clock in the morning when he opens, 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, right here in Little Rock, Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, down to the last five minutes of uh, this hour. Coming up in the next hour, from about 7.05 until 7.30, Congressman French Hill will be uh, with us from District 2 at 7.35 to 8 o'clock. Congressman uh, uh, Bruce Westerman will join us from District 4, as they do on every Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And we might get into a few of these uh, things that Rodney and I have been talking about today because, you know, uh, Biden, our new president, is starting to talk about energy and about fracking and things of that nature. And He's literally going to reduce it significantly, and what will that mean as far as jobs go? We'll we'll talk about that some today as well on the Dave Ellswick Show. Our guest right now is Rodney Leatherman. Drop Your Energy Bills uh, is a great show over on Faith Talk that's on Saturdays from 9 to 10, 99.5 FM. You should tune over there and uh, and listen to that show 
because he can save you money as far as energy. Now, today we've expanded this because we're trying to to set up the discussion as what are the words that we're using? What does it mean? And, you know, because, hey, they they do all kinds of focus groups when they decide to call something something like Green New Deal. Believe me, they sat down with a lot of focus groups and found out that that resonated greatly with a good amount of people. And now it's being used not only by the government, but it's used in your children's schools and all kinds of things. And they're being told when you say Green New Deal, that's good. That's good. That's what that's what Rodney's saying during this last half hour. You're you're being told what is good and what is bad through the terminology and the semantics that are being used. So with that said, Rodney, I've got about three minutes here. Let me let you finish up and then I'll give you a call uh, this afternoon or tomorrow, and we'll set your uh, time up to come on with me in February. That'll be great. I appreciate it, Dave. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be with you. And by the way, we're on at 1 o'clock right there on 101 The Answer, too, on Saturdays. We do a rebroadcast there okay. of the same show we do on the uh, 99.5. So whose problem is this anyway? When you talk about energy, whose problem is it? It's not this thing that's over there. Every person requires and uses energy today. Every person. Every man, woman, and child in this country uses energy on a daily basis. It's part of our lives, inextricably tied to how we do what we do. Energy. you got to have it. You can't do without it. So here's the question. And when we talk about New Deal, I want people to go back and do a little research because, again, I love history. When Edison set up the Pearl Street Generator in New York City, the first electric generator in the country, then went on to build the Niagara Falls hydro plant. And Wall Street fell in love with this technology. They thought, wow, this is fantastic, and all kinds of new companies sprang up, and then here come Westinghouse, and, of course, Tesla was over on the periphery doing all kinds of things, created radio, and that's how we're able to talk today because of Tesla's understanding of energy. It comes from energy, the radio, and Tesla. But the point is, that was a new deal. That was new. Okay, so all we're seeing now, 140 years later, is a rebranding, a repackaging of the same thing. Go look it up. I'm telling you, it's there for you to find. All right, now I'm going to let you. I'm going to have to stop you right there. That's a great place to stop, and I can put behind it in words on your radio and on Facebook to be continued. Just like they do on TV, all right, when you're looking at, at shows that have, uh, you know, different chapters. So to be continued in February, I'll let you know exactly what time that's going, that continuation is going to be when we can have Rodney back on. Rodney, you have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you or I'll be listening to you uh, this weekend, either over at 99.5 or right here on 1011 FM, 1 o'clock at 1011 uh, FM and uh, drop your energy bill. Thanks, Rodney. We'll talk to you later, brother. My pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Bye-bye. All right. Rodney Leatherman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, French Hill coming up.
Let's move into the 7 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Something that no other show offers here in uh, Arkansas. We have both of our congressmen on today. Uh, Next week, uh, it looks like uh, we'll have each of the Republican candidates for governor on my show in the 6 o'clock hour. Uh, Lieutenant uh, Governor Tim Griffin has agreed to Tuesday. Leslie Rutledge, our AG, to Wednesday and uh, I talked with the uh, campaign manager for uh, Sarah Sanders yesterday. Looks like Thursday will be good for them. So uh, it's going to be interesting to hear what each one of those candidates have to say. We'll keep you up to date on what's going on in Washington, D.C. But I'm real adamant about being very, 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 very uh, involved in what's going on here in the state of Arkansas. Tenth Amendment helps us. Uh, have uh, control over our own state state sovereignty. And so uh, it's important for you to know what's going on here in your state as well. But I do understand what's going on up in Washington, and it's important to you. And that's why today we've got Congressman French Hill with us from District 2. Good to hear from you, Congressman. How are you? Good morning, Dave. It's a cold, dreary morning here in Little Rock. Great to be with you. It is a cold and dreary day. It's been that way ever, you know, we had a little bit of sun yesterday. That was nice. We'll get some sun this afternoon, but it will not be as warm as it was on Monday when it was 73 degrees. That was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. All right, so let me let me get started with you. I want to ask uh, uh, just as kind of a general question about the new president, President Biden. And uh, let's see, during the campaign, if I remember correctly, he was not going to stop fracking. He wasn't going to uh, you know stop uh, a lot of the oil and natural gas industry from uh, uh, c- continuing. And today he's going to have a bunch of more of his uh, presidential uh, papers that he's going to sign. And uh, it's going to cost millions of jobs because it's going to do just what he said he wouldn't do. So uh, what are you thinking about all of this? I mean, uh, to me, it's no it's not a surprise. Is it a surprise to you? Not a surprise. You know, he made lots of campaign promises that he was going to eliminate the energy industry uh, and including fracking over and over again. And then when caught saying it on tape, he would try to retract it in some other interview with a lukewarm response. But the point is that uh, Joe Biden, who campaigned on unity and campaigned on working together, is systematically each day the last couple of weeks issuing executive orders, uh, which are going the opposite direction, that are killing jobs, hurting the economy, and uh, further dividing the country, something I thought everybody was tired of and wanted to get back to uh, working for the common good. Yeah, this is a guy who signed, uh, I think, what, 23 executive orders thus far and has uh, dozens more that he wants to sign. He is He's leaving every other president in the dust on executive yeah, three orders. Yeah, three to, three to one. I mean, and we talked about this last week, and I think everybody, we should all agree, Democrat, Republican, all the listeners, that we don't want to be running the government by executive order because it seesaws policies, doing exactly what we're sitting here talking about that we don't like because we don't have continuity of authority and continuity of direction of government. 
And so we should encourage Congress to tackle these big problems, solve them in a bipartisan way, get a vote that can be more than 50 percent of both chambers and signed into law by our president. And that's the way we ought to be governing, not this uh, seesaw approach through the executive order process, which just feeds the base. I mean, this is just uh, just to demonstrate how woke you can be in the first two weeks of your presidency is my view of his executive orders. I wish he'd go back to sleep. But uh, here's the. Here, here's the key here, uh, Congressman. He's costing jobs, livelihoods, the ability for people to feed their families, to take care of their families. And I'm not hearing anything from him or his party about how they're going to put those people back to work. Well, I've already gotten mail from people concerned here in Little Rock about losing their job due to uh, the Keystone Pipeline. This is something that we resolved. We dealt with this for 10 years, and uh, we agreed through a series of incredible amount of work by the federal government, the Canadian government, the government in Nebraska, the Indian tribes in Nebraska, and other places to reroute and safely move uh, this uh, Canadian oil into the United States. And now what uh, Joe Biden is doing is he's killing jobs right here in Little Rock at Wellspun, all the suppliers to Wellspun that makes... uh, transport pipe for oil and gas right here at the Little Rock port. He's killing those jobs, and he's killing a step towards American independence in a safe way of also encouraging North American independence. And I suspect Canada now will uh, export that oil and gas to Asia, probably to China, and go to the Pacific Ocean with it instead of bringing it to America for refining. Yeah, how does that how does this impact our relationships with Canada? It can't help things. No, this is as I say, this is not a, a new issue. I campaigned in 2014 for Congress and one of my events was let's get the Keystone pipeline built and we did the event out at Wellspot. And here we are 6 years later having done all the work to complete this major infrastructure project, which employs manufacturing talent in Canada and in the United States, as well as the construction talent to build it, uh, and gives permanent jobs because it will increase uh, shipping and refining jobs in Texas where that oil is headed. Um, I don't know. This is exactly what I don't like, as I say, about executive orders. Now, this is exactly what we told people they would get if they voted for Biden. Now, here in Arkansas, we understood that better than a lot of places did, like Arizona and folks like that. But it is what it is. What do we do to combat it? I'll ask you that well, question. Well, you know, we've got to push back. I mean, that's why we have a thin majority in the House. We have a tied U.S. Senate. And those of us uh, with conservative values that want our economy growing, we've got to push back against these bad ideas. And we will. And the American people know their bad ideas. That's why they chose uh, to elect uh, President Trump and not uh, President Clinton back in 2016. And yet this is just a redo. Many of the things that you're seeing out of the Biden administration is just Obama 2.0. Yep. So we have to push back against ideas like a federal mandate on $15 minimum wage and what that will do to jobs, kill over a million jobs, raise the uh, corporate income tax to 28%, no longer making it the most competitive in the world, killing uh, Keystone and killing other uh, 
jobs. We can move to a clean energy future over the next few decades using technology and innovation and American leadership, uh, but we're not going to do it overnight, and we don't want to disadvantage our nation's uh, energy independence for both security purposes and economic competitiveness purposes. We can do both, and we were doing both. Yep. America has we're doing a great track record on that. All right, Congressman will be with us until the bottom of the hour. we got to get a break in right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman, uh, enjoy another cup of coffee. I'll be back with you in just a moment. we got a lot of things to talk about. I want to talk about your Golden Fleece Award, who is the recipient of that, plus some things that you've done for a Vietnam veteran and a few other things that are on our agenda for today. PI Roofing, what can they do for you? Well, they can keep you dry. I mean, that's bottom line, to keep the water out of your house. Uh, they can keep the, those stains from forming on your ceiling or down along the baseboards of your house uh, because you got a leak. And how do you know you got a leak before you you see it on, on your ceiling? Well, you get professionals to walk your roof and uh, and check it out. They can tell just by walking and getting up close and personal with your roof. Uh, there's things that they look for, not even on your roof. They look down at, uh, you know, your uh, uh, gutters uh, at the bottom, and they look for the, the gra- that gravel, real fine gravel that you, you see sometimes. That's stuff that's on your shingles. You lose enough of that, and your shingles aren't any good, and that lets the water through. And if the water gets through the shingle, then it makes its way through the uh, the felt, and it makes itself uh, known on the boards up there, the plywood, and it will rot that, get through that, get into your uh, attic, get through your insulation, and then into your drywall. That's the that is the uh, basically how a leak works, and you don't want that to happen. You want to catch it before it starts leaking. Preventive maintenance is what you want to do so call pi roofing 707-3551 707-3551 and have them come out walk along the top of your roof if they feel kind of a mushy area they're gonna mark that go in your attic and look up where that is and see if there's a rot there and a leak is imminent so talk with PI Roofing. Let the, the professionals help you. They follow, they follow all the COVID-19 protocols. So you don't have to worry about your family's health because they don't want to have to worry about their workers' help. So call them, 707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com. All right, let's continue our conversation with Congressman French Hill from District 2, who's back here in the local area right now. He's in uh, Little Rock. And uh, you've got the Golden Fleece Award that you've carried on uh, from uh, other people. And who's our recipient today? Well, six years of looking for waste and mismanagement in the federal government. There's no lack of targets every month. (laughs) We gave uh, December's, though, to the uh, FDA for fining, uh, placing a fine on everyone who made uh, hand sanitizer. If they were a distillery, 
this was something we last uh, spring, you know, we we prized, we gave awards to people like Rocktown Distillery. Hey, stop making uh, vodka and make some hand sanitizers. Yeah. Our hospitals desperately need it. And we encouraged it and we praised those people. Well, at the end of the year, entrepreneurs like Rocktown Distillery got a bill for $14,000 as a fine from uh, FDA uh, saying that they had to comply with the law. And, of course, that's madness. Congress raised tech and HHS, the Human Services Department, voided the fee. But so they did the right thing. They still did a dumb thing. And they're the December Golden Fleece awardee. Yeah, it shouldn't have ever happened. Why? Exactly. You know, do you guys ever try to find out who the people are that make these decisions in these big departments? Yeah, we do. And that's why, you know, people say, why do you do the Golden Fleece? And I, I took inspiration from old governor, I mean, I'm sorry, Senator Proxmire from Wisconsin when right. I was a kid working in the Senate for it. And you do it because embarrassment is an important weapon in public life to say, this is dumb. Let's make a permanent law change and not let this happen again. Let's correct this behavior, whatever it is. So, yeah, we will be uh, pursuing uh, this to make sure that that uh, is not done in the future when you have a need for someone to shift production to help the American people. All right, now, your part of your work as a congressman is to help your constituents here in the second district, and you did that just recently with a Vietnam veteran, so that he got his medals, and he'd been waiting for more than forty years. For those for those medals. Talk about that a little bit. I mean, talk about the bureaucracy that would wait 40 years to give a man who served his country the medals that he deserved. Well, uh, Master Sergeant Bob Davis is a great friend. He's the leader of our Distinguished Flying Cross Association here. He's devoted his retirement to helping veterans across the uh, Arkansas. He retired from the Air Force in 1975, just a few short years ago. And yeah. uh, Bob Bob never received his uh, Vietnam Service Medal, and he was also awarded by the Republic of Vietnam their cross for gallantry mm-hmm. for his service during the Vietnam War. And while late, it was terrific to award those to him yesterday. Dave, his DD-214, that magic document that I encourage every veteran to fly spec, really make sure it's accurate as to your service record. Uh, His DD-214 didn't accurately portray uh, where he served. And so as a result, he was not awarded his Vietnam Service Medal or the Republic's uh, Medal for Gallantry. And we corrected that record yesterday and proud to do it in front of his great uh, wife, Pat. And uh, what a great tribute to his great, wonderful family and his 20-plus years of service in the Air Force, which was fascinating from all over the world. He's carried nuclear weapons. He looked for astronauts. He did uh, testing for capsule reentry and parachute recovery. Um, uh, He just had a remarkable career all over the world with the Air Force. I'm going to have to get him on the air and just talk to him. You'd love it. It'd be a lot of fun be a lot of fun to talk to him being a uh, a vet myself from the air force uh i'd like to talk to him about his time in the air force all right let's also talk about you got a you got a town hall coming up is it going to be by phone tonight or was it last night 
It was last night, Dave. We had uh, telephone town hall, several thousand uh, on it. And also we broadcasted on uh, Facebook Live. And I'd say a majority of the questions were, as you would imagine, and as they should be, about how to cope with either a change in the Biden administration on things like his mile, how can my small business uh, go straight to a $15 minimum wage and survive, oh, or man. questions about the vaccine, the pandemic, the Paycheck Protection Program. We had a long, just over an hour uh, discussion, always informative to hear from my constituents, uh, and uh, we'll be doing those uh, throughout the, the year. Uh, to make sure we stay in touch with what's on everybody's mind. But I'd say the number one issue was was vaccine-related and getting schools open. Well, do me a favor. Tell Jeff to keep me up to date on when those are going to happen, and, and we'll make sure we announce that here on the air. You bet. We'll do it. And right. thank everybody for listening in. And anybody who has questions can email at hill.house.gov if they listened and did not get their question answered, or if they have a question, hill.house.gov. All right. So you've mentioned it twice this today, and, and let's talk about it a little deeper. They're wanting the Congress, the Democrats, they want a 15, and the president, they want a $15 minimum wage now. They want to drop it like a uh an anvil on the top of these small business owners and after going through covid-19 oh my god come on congressman this is this is ridiculous it it, it makes uh, no sense to me and it was contained in uh, president biden's covid-19 relief 1.9 trillion dollars in more government spending that he wants to do and he included in that list of covid relief measures a 15 dollar minimum wage i think it just shows uh, economic uh, illiteracy on the part of uh, his advisors, because that is what would kill jobs and make it tougher to get these restaurants over, tougher to get our small businesses functions, tougher to get people back on the road traveling and going to a hotel. So uh, a lot of Joe Biden's economic policies are are wrongheaded, but they're particularly wrongheaded in the midst of trying to get 11 million people back to work. Yeah, I mean, seriously, this is a president that seems to be tone deaf about people's livelihoods. Well, this this is why I mentioned a few minutes ago how they're going through a progressive left checklist with the executive orders and with the unveiling of this $1.9 trillion in new spending on COVID when we just approved a trillion dollars in spending in December on COVID. And when you add that $900 billion in, Dave, we're right at 4 Right, just under $4 trillion in appropriated spending since last March to fight the pandemic. Now, that is what we spent approximately for an entire year of the federal government. So Mm -hmm. we've spent that on top of that money that we spend uh, for national defense and for all the other priorities of of America. And so I, I just... They're not thinking this through, or if they are, they're just trying to score points over on the far left. Yeah, I would agree with that. Well, Congressman, we're out of time. I appreciate you joining great us to here be on with the you, Dave. Show. You have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, Congressman French Hill here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. That whole $15 minimum wage, look, you, you've got all these businesses that – have gone almost a full year now under the brunt of COVID-19. 
they have had to be closed down. Uh, they had no money coming in. Uh, they got a little PPP money. Uh, it helped them pay some of their workers, keep themselves open. And now they want to turn around in Congress and drop this $15 minimum wage. Where right now is at, what, seven forty-five? I think it is. Yeah, I want you to think about that a little bit. That's almost doubling uh, the minimum wage. That is not going to spur job growth. That's not going to open up more jobs at these restaurants. And the service industry is a huge employer. What it's going to do is cut down the amount of jobs that are available. If not, cut off at the knees business owners all across this nation, here in Arkansas and everywhere else. It's just incredibly stupid. I don't have a better word for it. Mom didn't like it when I used it, but I'm going to use it now. Stupid. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. You like having your place uh, clean? You do? Uh, would you like to have it clean without you doing the cleaning? Well, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning is the people for you then. This is what I've been talking about. This is exactly what I've been talking about. They are a great new business that will take care of keeping your house, you know, what my mother would have said, spick and span. That was That's what she always said. She didn't realize that she was just talking about a product. <laughs> it had gotten used so much that it became part of the vernacular. But, you know, get it spick and span, get it clean. And my mom, like a lot of moms back in the day, when I was raised as a kid, did deep cleaning every day they really did i mean mothers and 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 fathers that work uh, both work and things don't have the uh, the ability to clean their houses that way uh every day but if you use somebody like saint clarity residential cleaning you can get it done and your house can have that deep cleaning and at a reasonable cost and we've made it even more reasonable look it's St. Clarity is going to charge you $200 to clean your home if you have a home that's uh, up to 1,500 square feet. Or if it's up to 2,500 square foot, uh, $300. But in comes the knight in shining armor, 101.1 FM, the answer, and we'll cut you 50% deals on that. $100 on a small house and only $150 on a big house. And all you have to do is call Chuck right here at the station after 9 o'clock now, 404-6560. A lot of people have been doing this now, 404-6560. You call Chuck, you tell him you want for a small house or you want for a large house, $100 now for a small house of up to, you know, 1,500 square foot. If you've got a you know, 2,500 square foot home, it's going to be $150. That's a good deal, and I'm talking about deep cleaning, deep cleaning. And uh, you get yourself a certificate, and uh, uh, Christian going to get a hold of you, and she'll she'll go over all that. In fact, I'll work on getting her on next uh, next week or week after to talk about what does deep cleaning really mean again, because she's been on here, and I just know this: they do things that I don't do when I clean the house. And I, I'm one of those people that obsesses about that stuff. When I start doing it, 
it's a four or five hour process. So uh, just know that they do it and they do it very, very well. That's St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Get your, uh, uh, you know, your, your coupon now for 50% off of deep cleaning your home by calling 404-6560 here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Off to Congressman Bruce Westerman we go. And Congressman, how you doing today? Doing well, Dave. Are you, are you, I've been up to D.C. for a, a short trip up there and back in Arkansas today. Good. You're back in the land of, of sanity, so to speak. Yeah, it's still uh, still pretty imposing up there with all the the fencing and the razor wire and the, the National Guard. I thought they were going to get that uh, reduced quite a bit, but it's still still quite the secure area up there right now. Yeah, I, I got it ask you a question congressman and uh we talked just a few moments ago about this somewhat with uh with uh, congressman hill and and that is this president with all of these executive orders he's always had 23 i believe and he's got a bunch more coming out today this is a guy when he was running for president we'll all remember this because he was asked point blank by people about destroying the fracking industry and he said no i'm not going to do that i'm not going to yeah i'm not going to make them stop fracking and we hear that today he's going to sign executive orders that will do just that Uh, he's already cost us sixteen thousand jobs with the keystone pipeline there's no telling how many tens of thousands of jobs he's going to to cost us as he attacks the oil and gas industry now thought this guy wasn't going to do that i mean i'm i'm thinking people got to be thinking buyer's remorse about now well i i listened to what he was saying when he was running and what the people around him were saying and i'm actually not too surprised with the orders that he's putting out um you know the the natural resources committee that i'm on is our jurisdiction is greatly affected by a lot of these orders so uh, a lot of what i've been doing is just trying to understand exactly what these orders do and the best way i can describe it is that they don't have a plan they're making a lot of points they're checking off boxes on uh, political promises and kind of uh, acquiescing to the, the far left but there's no rationale no common sense to this whatever uh, it's not really a plan that that they're putting together you know they're just going in and attacking things that um they shouldn't be attacking you know no no they started off saying a 60-day pause on uh permits on federal lands for energy production now that's that's everything offshore and everything on onshore that's on public land and it's uh you know 20 to 30 percent of the energy that we produce in this country uh, comes from those places uh, and today they're going to even step their game up i guess that wasn't draconian enough so now they're going to make it a one-year moratorium uh, so we've been told on uh, on energy and mineral production and three years on coal wow uh, so of course coal is going to take the brunt of this yeah and then you got to ask yourself okay so you're going to just go in and clamp down on the supply side of our energy. Uh, where is the energy going to come from? Because the, the 
the equipment, the systems out there that use this kind of energy, uh, they're not going to be replaced overnight. And there's no plan for how you replace that that energy supply. And, you know, I've said all along I'd be willing to work with, with this administration or any administration on developing um, new uh, energy portfolios for the future. Uh, I'm, I'm not against innovation and, and doing things a better way, but I'm, I'm definitely against destroying the economy in the process. And what you find out is, you know, where you find the worst environmental stewardship is where you got the poorest economies. And what the Biden administration is doing now is just an, an attack on the economy with no demonstrable benefits uh, to the environment. You know, if, if we want to move to a society that's got more electric vehicles, which we're moving that direction, we've got to figure out how we're going to produce that electricity because when you plug that car in, the electricity is not just magically there. It's coming from some power plant somewhere, and it can't come from – some of it can come from wind and solar when wind and solar is working, but you don't have the – you've got to have the base load potential, which, uh, you know, if you want to look at – low carbon energy, we could do um, more hydro, which there's 12,000 megawatts of hydropower potential on existing dams in the country. You wouldn't even have to build new dams, but the left pushes back against that. Uh, we need to be adapting new uh, uh, next generation nuclear technology where you've got these oh smaller reactors that are that are solid core cooled instead of water cooled. Everybody, uh, everybody's scared of nuclear. Come on, Congressman. That that's a rough well, road to get on. Well, Dave, you know I'm an I'm an engineer and I've had a lot of experience in the real world, and I know that all a lot of this stuff we take for granted takes a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of capital investment, yeah. um, and Money. a lot of time, yeah, to put this infrastructure in place. And uh, you know what the left likes to practice is what I call political environmentalism. It's just this idea that you can throw a, a regulation out there on a piece of paper, and voila, magically your problems are solved, and you can walk around talking about how you're a, a good steward of of our resources. When in reality, these policies damage our resources. You know, internal combustion engines aren't going away uh, because we. Um, restrict development on on federal lands so what we're going to do is be purchasing more um, fossil fuels from the middle east and from russia where they're going to put it on uh, big ships and transport it across the ocean and you're going to end up producing more uh, pollution uh, than you would have had you used domestic energy production when we shut down pipelines which are the the cleanest safest and most efficient way to transport uh, liquids. Uh, we're just putting that um, that material on trains and on on trucks, which is uh, much more likely to have a spill and much more likely to uh, to be unsafe for others. So, yeah, they like to talk in memes and make these um, big announcements and and pound their chest and say, "Look what we're doing." But uh, when you get down to the the science behind it the common sense and the rationale, uh, they're doing more damage than they're doing good. Yeah, we spent, So that's what we've got to push go back against and, and show there's a better way. Yeah, we spent a full hour today uh, on, on the show, the 6 o'clock hour, 
talking about the Green New Deal and and how it's not really feasible the way that they're talking about it because they've changed the wording, they've changed the definition of words and things of that nature, sustainability and all the rest. And the bottom line is people don't understand that when you come even up with a new technology, electric cars, they're not new, new, but that's kind of a new technology. We've we've advanced it some, and uh, people are saying that is the answer. No, it's not. you got to make the car, number one. And number two, that means big factories still. That means factories that are still going to spew out uh, pollution and things of that nature. Then you've got you've to fire up those cars, so you better be able to produce the electricity that people are going to need to, to run them. They don't answer those questions. They don't talk about the, the answers to those questions. And the, the results are just as bad as what we've got right now. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very hollow um, argument that they're making. They have this glossy shell with nothing on the on the inside, and you, you're talking about electric cars. You know, they're going to put a moratorium on energy and mineral development on federal lands. Uh, you know, if you want to make uh, batteries for electric cars, you need this metal, <laughs> a very light metal called lithium. Yeah, and our uh, now that's something that could be a huge benefit to Arkansas in the fourth district. We've got these brine wells down in South Arkansas that uh, have high concentrations of lithium in them, and they're actually building plants uh, down in El Dorado, and I think they're talking about one in Magnolia to extract lithium. Uh, but our big deposits of lithium are out in uh, the west on public lands. And you can't build your uh, batteries for your electric cars without lithium. Uh, but guess who you can buy your lithium from? You can go to China and buy it, who has gone out around the world and secured all these mineral deposits. And in some cases, they use slave labor to extract these resources. Uh, but, you know, we don't want to touch our uh, pristine lands here in the in the U.S., uh, but we'll go buy lithium from China, who... Uh, extracted a lot of those materials uh, in many cases with slave labor and with no environmental uh, control or regulations on how they do the mining. So uh, there's always a lot more to the story uh, than this this pretty picture that um, what I found in D.C., you got a lot of people who are political scientists, but they're they're nowhere close to being any other kind of scientist. Oh, but wait, they want wait, to talk wait. about following they, the science. They they slept in a, a Holiday Inn last night. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> it must have been a Holiday Inn Express. I gotcha. Hang in with me. We got to get you to get a quick break in. Our guest is uh, Congressman uh, Bruce Westerman from District Four. We'll continue our discussion when we come back. All right, uh, eight minutes until 8 o'clock here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got a few minutes here left with Congressman Bruce Westerman, and it's great listening to Bruce talk about natural resources. That's a, a, such a great industry for our country. Uh, our natural resources should never be given away freely. we got a lot of natural resources here in the state of uh, Arkansas with timber and things of that nature. Talk a little bit about hydroelectric power if you would bruce because it really amazes me that the left would be so against it what is it that they find bad about hydroelectric power 
Well, I think for one thing, it's development when you have hydroelectric power. But, you know, the statistic I quoted earlier was 12,000 megawatts of potential on existing dams. So you're not talking about going out and building uh, more dams. And if you do research the history of hydropower in our country, um, there was a lot of corruption. There was a lot of uh, um, things that shouldn't have happened in the way it was developed. Uh, it's a very colorful history with the Bureau of Reclamation who first started building dams in the West, and they did it in the name of, of being able to irrigate. Um, but those irrigation projects really didn't have the, the financial payback that they could put hydropower on the dams, which would pay for the, the dams and basically provide uh, free irrigation water. Okay. The Corps of Engineers got involved in it in the East, and then there, there were actually some big turf disputes between the Corps and the Bureau of Reclamation over time on who got to build dams. Um, and it's a, it's a very colorful history. So there's there's a lot of reason people have skepticism about hydropower, but the fact of the matter is we've got all these dams in the country right now. Um, had, had the country not built like the Grand Coulee Dam and, and some of those out in Washington State, we quite possibly would have lost World War II because uh, we had an excess of hydropower and, and electricity, and we were able to make aluminum, which you, you need electricity to make aluminum, um, which allowed us to have the uh, the air dominance that we had in World War II. So it's kind of an amazing history how that all played out. But hydropower is zero carbon. I mean, if you've got problems with, with carbon in the atmosphere and there are higher levels of carbon in the atmosphere than there used to be. We're over 400, around 415 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. And if uh, if you're one who wants to restrict the amount of carbon going in the atmosphere, you can't get much cleaner than than hydropower. Um, but you know, a lot of that comes back to uh, what I've been saying all along: is the the number one way to get carbon out of the atmosphere is to have healthy forests. And mm-hmm. that's that's why the Trillion Trees Act and why I'm still pushing those those issues. Um, the only thing that's going to take carbon out of the atmosphere are plants. And if uh, you know the left says they've got a problem with carbon in the atmosphere, and I said, okay, let's plant more trees and and let photosynthesis do it on a large scale, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, trees are bad because it was a Republican's idea. But we're not going to give up on that, and we're not going to quit pushing the science. And uh, you know, that's something I'm I'm passionate about working on in Congress. Well, you keep on doing it. You're doing a good job, Congressman. We appreciate you. We're out of time today. I'll see you again next Wednesday. I appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thank you, Dave. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, th- th- there's commonsensical talk right there here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Everything that Congressman just said just makes sense. Yeah, and he's got the science to back it up. But uh, the left fights him tooth and nail. And it's as he said, if it, if it's even if it's a great idea, if it comes from a Republican or somebody on the right, the media attacks it, and the left attacks it. It's somewhere in this country. We have got to get to the point that a good idea is a good idea, no matter from which direction it comes. I don't poo-poo things from the left just because it comes from the left. 
Now, most of the stupid ideas do come from the left. I'll be honest with you. They don't have the science to back them up, but they've come up with some good stuff. Don't disagree with it. Let's do it. It's just like uh, the congressman said. I'm all about using technology. You know, if we can get around using uh, coal and natural gas or whatever, more power to us. <laughs> like that? Was that a pretty good pun? Did you like that one, Heidi? More power to us? If we can get around coal and never mind. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Bottom line, I'm with him. I, I, I've never understood why hydroelectric uh, wasn't used more often uh, in the pr- uh, production of power. And uh, as he said, you don't have to build a whole bunch of new dams to do it. You use existing dams that you have. And uh, I would think with the technology that we have now, uh, we could do it more cost effectively than we did it in the past. So let's do it. We're fighting about it, and let's do it, and and uh, then then we can have more electricity. I'm all about it. All right, I'm out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be the uh, the Thursday edition, and uh, J.R. Davis and Seth uh, will be with us in the first hour, and then Joe and Duck will be with us in the second hour. Now, don't forget about next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the candidates. They want to be the Republican standard bearer here in Arkansas for governor. Each person, each of the candidates gets a day uh, and an hour to talk about who they are and why they are the best to be governor. And we got more things planned for you here on 101.1 FM, the uh, answer, so that you'll be able to ask questions of these folks as we go along and know what their ideas and vision is for the state of Arkansas. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day today.